0: Welcome to The Peel, where we break through the surface of sustainability in Florida and get to the juicy stuff at the center of it all. I'm your host, Amber Whittle, Executive Director of South Face Sarasota. We're a nonprofit that's increasing the resilience, affordability, and health of Florida's buildings and communities, and we're saving the planet along the way. Check out our programs and events at southface.org, Sarasota. Our guest today is Allison Laura. South Face's Florida Advocacy Project Manager. Welcome, Allison. Thanks for joining us on The Peel. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm excited to share our work in Florida energy policy advocacy. So what is energy policy advocacy? That's a lot of words. (laughs) That's a great place to start because people ask me that question a lot. So
1: when we talk about policy, and South Face is of course focused on energy and the environment, Um, Policy in Florida looks like three things. We've got the state level legislature. So sometimes there will be a bill through the, the state house or Senate that has something to do with climate change or efficiency, weatherization, we get involved there. The second place we get involved at is the Public Service Commission. So this is the body of representatives that regulate all of the utilities, so gas and electricity and telecommunications. And the third place is the Energy Office, which is inside the Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. You'll hear that called FDACs a lot. So that's where the Energy Office sits. And they're a great resource too to uh, complement utility efficiency programs because they can help get federal funds and distribute resources that way. So we'd like to interact at these three levels
0: of state-level government. Excellent. And so how can our listeners um, interact with those three different levels? You can get involved too, because this is this is democracy. So
1: when I think about advocacy, I think I'm actively participating in the democracy that I'm part of. So before new rules, regulations are passed, there's pretty much all the time a public comment period. And so that's where you, Amber, your neighbors, our neighbors, students can get involved and just email your message of support or opposition or ideas and suggestions for what direction these should go in. So, For the most recent thing we were working on, we came in as kind of more the professional interveners and we joined
0: a lot of regular folks who just wanted to tell their story about what's happening to their electricity bills. Exactly, and so the Public Service Commission I mean, you can call or email your state legislators directly and you can do the same thing with the Public Service Commission. So they're public comments. And then if you're not during the public comment time period, you can also just email them or call them directly and they, they compile those comments, right?
1: That's exactly correct.
0: So that
1: would be more of the informal way. You can email your representatives anytime. And then the formal way When we have something that's actually in a formal docket that needs to be voted on by the commissioners, then you can also submit your comments through the the Public Service Commission website, and it gets actually very formally um, adopted into this legal proceeding.
0: And is there any way to interact with the Energy Office? Or is that doesn't have such policy, such, um, I don't know, politics attached to it?
1: that is one of the the benefits of the energy office since they're a little smaller Um, as advocates we see them as a little more accessible maybe a little more friendly to the environmental issues i'm still learning about the best ways to work with them and get the community to work with them but that's also a real major intention of south face is to really engage with the community and
0: Help you guys understand how to participate in the democracy, too. Absolutely. So you talked about policy. What's the difference between policy and advocacy? Right. There's that second piece there. (laughs) So policy is like the thing. Advocacy
1: is the how. So we start by working with a coalition. So that's basically just a team of allies, like-minded organizations, and we strategize. We, we look ahead at what the issues are that are coming through those, those three policy areas, and we devise a strategy so that we can show a real coordinated um, interest in, in a specific issue so that when we make our recommendations, it, it carries more weight because it says, hey, all of the people interested in the environment and sustainability came to the same consensus. So we do consensus building among our coalition, and then a big part of advocacy is showing up. So big part of life, <laughs> right? <laughs> Just get there. So part of my role is to physically go to Tallahassee and participate in public workshops and meetings and and open um, activities in the in the commission or the legislature. And so I did that recently. I went up to Tallahassee and spoke about why we need more energy efficiency. And then two more pieces here to advocacy. So it's the writing comments, which we just talked about. So you and I both do that. Um, My comments will be more like 10, 20 page research documents showing all the evidence about uh, why these ideas are efficient, effective, resilient, and then The public also writes their own comments, and these tend to be a little more uh, personal, heartfelt, emotional, and it's it's great um, for our policymakers to hear all sides of the story like that, right? And then the fourth part is what we're doing right now as a podcast, right? This is our our outreach and awareness where we want to connect you with the work we're doing and get you involved in that because when we have more people talking about the same issues, they become priorities to these decision-makers.
0: So as we're heading into 2023, what are you currently advocating for? What's at the top of your list?
1: So at the very top is energy efficiency. The, the biggest topic in the Public Service Commission over these past two years has been the FICA Act. So that's an acronym for the Florida Energy Efficiency and Conservation Act. So that comes out of the legislator, that, that kind of is like a goal that says, we need more energy efficiency. And then they create rules on how to implement that piece of legislation. And so the project I am currently working on and that I went to that workshop for in Tallahassee is the goal setting rule for demand side resources. And that's just a fancy way to talk about efficiency. So when you change out the incandescent bulb for an LED bulb, that's efficiency, achieving the same thing with fewer resources. And the reason it's so important is because efficiency is the least cost resource. So when you think of the whole power grid of Florida as a whole, we've got natural gas plants feeding it, utility scale, solar feeding it, sometimes solar panels on your roof feeding it. And so the more efficient you can make your house, the more efficient the grid runs. And so there is a correlation between what individuals do and how it affects the broader group. And what we're seeing in Florida is that we're not making commitments and investments into efficiency really to the same desirable levels as other states. So there's there's great organizations that even analyze this and they rank them. And so Florida recently ranked in the bottom 10 of states for energy efficiency savings. And so that's hurting you and I because then we have to make up for it by putting more energy on the grid that's basically just leaked out wasted out, right? So we don't want leaky pipes that waste resources, waste money. And that's what I've been working on is trying to provide the right information to these uh, policymakers and tell the right stories to show them why we need to improve this up to the, the best industry standards. And, and that's how we do it. That's what we ask for. We use the evidence-based results. And we say, hey, they did it really great in Vermont. Let's look at this program. We try to focus on the Southeast and try to just measure ourselves against our closest neighbors and um, take into that, that perspective and that viewpoint.
0: Yeah, I remember Andrea would always say the cheapest electron is the one you never use. Um, so when you're looking at the sort of set aside you want for FECA, what what are some examples of energy-saving things so people can visualize in their house how they could save electricity, which not only saves them money, Mm -hmm. um, but also helps the grid not be overloaded. Sure. So
1: some of these projects can be very small, like the light bulb thing I mentioned, or a smart thermostat that can help program the time when your air conditioning is running. So those are some small interventions. They get larger when you think about things like, upgrading your windows. If you've got single pane windows, they transfer a lot more heat than a double or triple pane with extra films and whatnot. Insulation is a big one. You know, sometimes you think insulation against the cold, but here in Florida, we gotta insulate against that heat. So especially, you know, in roofs and crawl spaces. And when we start talking about that scale, improving the whole envelope, you'll also hear that talked about as weatherization. And so that also means tightening up all the gaps, finding any leaks like in the window sills and whatnot, recocking them, sealing them. That's another big one because your house, especially as it gets 10, 20 years old, you know, it's it's moving with the weather and the temperature changes. And so little cracks start to come in and that's just part of uh, regular maintenance and upkeep. And it not only helps
0: the, you know, physical appearance of your home, but the energy efficiency of your home. And the way that utilities um, help with these sorts of projects is they offer rebates. Correct. Is that correct? So if you buy an Energy Star appliance or um, you insulate your home or get new windows, there are now, of course, federal. um, Right now there are federal rebates also, but the utilities could offer rebates.
1: Yes, that's primarily how most of the programs work. So you need to have the initiative and the interest to go seek out whatever contractors or materials you need and the utility can help you. They also help you upfront by providing free energy audits of your home. So you can have them come out and assess your current condition and make recommendations and tell you how much it would cost to, to make those improvements.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's what you're advocating for is more of that. <laughs> Exactly. So we identify the problem, then we need to fix the problem. And so utilities are great partners in these programs because they know how much energy you're using. And through their relationships with other contractors, they can get resources at scale and and help guide you towards uh, the trusted professionals
0: to work with. So what's the timeline for this potentially happening? For FICA, for the, for the docket being open and when the ruling will be made.
1: Yes. So this one was uh, particularly lengthy with multiple workshops to really work with the staff to help improve the language, make it the most helpful. And we had our final workshop in November and we are submitting our final comments this week actually it's wrapping up and then the commissioners will have all of their information they have they read comments from the advocates comments from the utility company comments from their own staff who are also doing the research and taking the time and so we expect to hopefully hear a decision in early january it'll just go on one of their regular agendas to vote it once they've been Um, you know, briefed on all this information. And hopefully that is going to unlock setting bigger goals, um, investing more money into efficiency and helping more people. Because really, we also want to funnel this money towards the people who need it most and, and be part of that energy justice loop.
0: And with that, you're talking about the four pillars that you advocate for? Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Definitely. So this is the strategy that came out
1: of the coalition, right? We wanted to have a group consensus on the most important pieces that we all felt passionate about. And we came up with a short list so we could just stay focused in our recommendations and Really try to get the best outcome by just saying, hey, we just want these few points. And the few points are cost-effectiveness testing, addressing free ridership regarding simple payback period screenings, low and moderate income programs and goals, that's the third one. And the fourth one is creating a working group to help include more stakeholder involvement, get more members of the public involved to create meaningful programs. What does free rider simple payback screening mean? Yeah, that's an interesting one. So this is where we start to get into the real economic part of government programs. So since this is government regulated they do cost-benefit analysis on these programs. That comes up a lot in environmental economics. And one of the things you look at in a program, especially efficiency programs, is who would participate even if there's not an incentive, right? So you have this rebate to buy the light bulbs. And light bulbs are really considered the the lowest hanging fruit, kind of no brainer efficiency for dummies, because it pays off so quickly. That's what we call this simple payback time. So you invest $5, how long does it take you to recover $5 in your savings from using less energy? And kind of just like a, you know, common practice, like rule of thumb, got developed over the years that utilities would screen out certain efficiency programs because they said it had too many free riders. So free riders are going to participate in the rebate program, but they would have done it even if there wasn't this 30% rebate. So it's it's a, another word to kind of say like identify cheaters in the system, but really They're not cheating. They're improving the whole grid. It's still creating a benefit for everybody using the grid. So really, we see it as just kind of a a sneaky loophole. You know how lots of people criticize corporations for all those loopholes to get out of paying taxes. This is kind of one of those
0: loopholes to get out of running efficiency programs. Ah, so the loophole is for the, you're saying that's for the utility, not for the people who are just... uh, Doing the best to save as much as they can by using all the rebate programs available exactly exactly all right so what's next for florida advocacy if FICA's is coming up in january the decisions in january what's next right so that one's coming to a close we'll move on to the next campaign or initiative
1: and the types of things that come up that we get involved in are rate cases from utilities and that is of course a huge issue because we've seen the rates go up and they went up 20%. yeah didn't they? <laughs> last year. And they're gonna go up again because of fuel price increases because natural gas is getting more expensive. Um, and so I'm gonna advocate on behalf of Sarasota and Florida to say stop raising our bills, find other ways to save money and do it by helping the environment at the same time, right? So it's just asking to just modify
0: their plans a little bit to, to have more wins for everybody. Well, it's great Here's It sounds like advocacy, you're advocating for the individual and the community at the same time to have a resilient grid so we don't have to keep building more and more power plants which are very expensive and um, the consumer pays for also. So it sounds yes. like South Face is doing great work at all those different levels.
1: We do, and and I've talked really technically here today, but you know we're always out there advocating for more rooftop solar, more electric buses. They they all have that role in the grid, and it all gets together. So it's it's fun to make those connections, you know, and and see it as affecting each other.
0: Right, and just as a final plug for the utilities, they're a great partner because they do need to have a resilient grid. Because, as you mentioned, as um, electric buses and electric cars and electric bikes, as they all come online more and more and more, they're gonna we're gonna need a very solid grid because that's gonna be a huge increase in demand.
1: Exactly. And population, right? As population grows, your electricity demand grows. And so the utilities incentive is to manage peak demand so that they can um, stabilize their investments in the grid. So
0: we're helping them do that. Exactly. We want to be their friend. Exactly. So thank you, Allison. And thanks for listening to The Peel. To get involved with South Face Sarasota, visit southface.org Sarasota. Until next time, stay sunny.